0: That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary, D W reward prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, eighteen plus Hunter. 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 Oh! By the
0: power of Grayskull. Don't say that. Never say that. Coonies never say die!
2: Going. 14. Hello, everybody. Welcome to 40 going on 14. I am Mike.
1: I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And this week we're talking about four weddings and a funeral, or as we like to call it, one wedding short of a Joan Collins.
0: <laughs> ah.
3: <laughs> that joke brought out everybody's inner Paul Lind. <laughs>
1: It was kind (laughs) of Hollywood Squares, wasn't it? Hollywood Hot!
3: (laughs) I I was in the middle of trying to do a Paul Inn impression, and suddenly I tried to change it into the Hollywood (laughs) Hot sound, and it all just got caught in my throat. You've
0: got a Pavlovian response now when I say it.
3: (laughs) Stop it. Yes, this week we're doing Four Weddings and a Funeral, the show and the original Hugh Grant movie.
2: Yeah. You know, I would totally watch Hollywood Hot if it was hosted by Paul Lind.
1: <laughs> I guess we're going with if you like Paul Lind, you might like the shows <laughs> on the podcast collective, such as I Am Salt Lake, The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy, Tales from the Hard Side, and of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour.
0: <laughs> 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 Jesus <Jeez, laughs> Christ. I do not get paid enough for
2: this. Oh, my God. Uh, So, yeah, if you're looking for more of this. And why would you? Whatever this is.
3: I mean, why wouldn't you?
2: I know. Why would you not want more of this in your life, on your commute, in the bathroom, while you're showering? Um, (laughs) iTunes, Blu-ray, Stitcher, TalkShoe, PodverseFM, NoonFM.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and Podchaser. And 708 now wrap seven eight six six nine nine seven two seven. Hey Josh, hey Mike, are you friends? <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> are you friends? Frantically- should, should we have
3: gotten introductions out of the way already?
2: No, are you frantically checking to see if we have a have a voicemail. Sure am.
0: <laughs> I'm naked and licking your
1: picture. Uh no, we don't have a voice. Wait, what? Uh, I'm ignoring that, and we don't have a voicemail. Yeah, yeah, we don't. We we didn't hear anything there. Uh, hey, Josh, about that time? Oh,
3: God, is it ever.
2: This week in music, movies, and TV. Sports. All right, so this week, the date is May 14th, year 1994, a year that will remain in infamy, at least for the four of us.
0: So right around when we met, we were figuring out. hmm. Yep.
2: It's when the stars aligned and things happened.
0: <laughs> things we can't legally talk about.
2: All, all I have a remembrance of is a plunger with a applesauce jar on the end of it.
1: I have no memory of that. I don't either. Me either.
0: Must have been with your other friends. Yes. Were you,
3: were you cheating on us, Mike?
0: <gasps> Completely.
3: Did you have another group of nerdy friends that you hung out with? Do
0: you have another podcast? And they had got
3: applesauce.
0: All right, so music. The number one song in the land was This Sign by Ace of Bass. I like that song.
3: I love that song.
1: Yeah. That whole album was pretty all right. Yeah, it's yeah. a fun, fun little record. Yep. Yep.
0: Uh-huh. All right, so after a successful and triumphant return to the stage for two evenings at the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day in 93 and 94, Barbara Streisand arranged her first concert tour in over 30 years. After four concert dates in London, her American leg of the tour started May 10th in Landover, Maryland. Streisand's six-city tour grossed $58.9 million, placing her fourth for the year behind the Rolling Stones, Pink Floyd, and the Eagles. Streisand averaged ten million per city and set records at Madison Square Garden with their sixteen point five million dollars earnings. She ended up performing a total of twenty four concerts on the tour because twenty four is her lucky number. Really? You
2: got that from a fortune cookie?
3: That's what the article said. I was like, okay, well, yeah. yeah. And, yeah okay. I'm not going to uh, argue with Barbara Streisand.
2: I mean, because then she'll tell you to take it off the internet.
0: We all know how well that works. Yep. (laughs) Just talk to the fine ladies of Two Girls One Cup. All right. And finally, Weezer was introduced to the world on May 10th with their self-titled debut, often referred to as the Blue Album. It would go on to become one of the most influential records of the 1990s with the hits Undone, The Sweater Song, Buddy Holly, and Say It Ain't So. And my favorite song of theirs is on that album.
1: Uh, Which one is that?
0: My Name is Jonas.
2: Oh, that that kind of makes sense. I I like my name is Jonas. The whole album is amazing, but I think Buddy Holly and the video is really what won me over for Weezer.
1: That's probably true. Although I think I like Say it and So
0: a little more. Yeah. Well, yeah, you definitely can't argue with that video.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was one of those where it's like,
2: wow, these guys really don't take themselves seriously and have a great sense of humor with this too. So.
3: Yep. I agree. Buddy Holly's what did it for me. Too. And they
0: write damn catchy songs.
1: All right. Try the fish. <laughs> movies. All right, moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was With Honors. It only lasted a week. Joe Pesci. Yeah. Oh, I vaguely remember that. Okay. okay he played a okay. he played a homeless, homeless
3: guy who was taken in by Brendan Fraser and yeah. all the college kids and he taught them all about life.
1: This was the era of Brendan Fraser. Yes. Soon that era will come back. I sure hope so.
0: Hey, Doom Patrol has given him a good good kickstart.
1: Dude Patrol?
0: Doom, Doom Patrol.
1: Patrol. Oh. Stephen Keats was an actor who appeared in the films Black Sunday, The Gambler, and Silent Rage, among others, as well as appearances on the TV shows Kojak and The A-Team. But on the show, we know his, him as Charles Bronson's whiny son-in-law in the original Death Wish. He committed suicide and was found in his apartment by his son on May 8th.
0: Ugh. I'm not sure that Charlie Bronson didn't kill him. He's like, you're too whiny in my film.
3: Was that a Charles Bronson impression?
0: It's it's the Simpsons character that's based on Charles Bronson. That impression. Oh, kind
3: of like my Arnold is yeah. Rainier Wolfcastle?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's an impression of that impression.
1: Gotcha. Now recording. <laughs>
0: Tim Curry, it's so good to see you (laughs) still.
1: Timothea Gaglia Carey, born March 11th, 1929, was a film and television character actor best known for portraying manic or violent characters who were driven to extremes. He made his screen debut in Billy Wilder's The Big Carnival. And in the 1956 Stanley Kubrick film, The Killing, he portrayed a gunman hired to shoot a racehorse as a diversion from a racetrack robbery. Kubrick then cast him in his next film, the World War I drama Paths of Glory, as one of the three soldiers accused of car- cowardice. During the film, Carey was disruptive and tried to draw more attention to his character. A scene in which Carey and the other actors were served a final meal before execution took 57 takes to complete. Carey then faked his own kidnapping Thanks. to generate personal publicity, which prompted his firing, as you do. As a result, the film does not depict the three condemned soldiers during the battle scene, and a double was used during a scene in which a priest hears Carrie's character confession. He also appeared in East of Eden, One-Eyed Jacks, The Boy and the Pirates, Beach Blanket Bingo, and the John Cassavetes-directed The Killing of a Chinese Bookie. (coughs) I'm not done yet. Carey also did a select amount of acting on television from the 1950s through the 1980s. According to Quentin Tarantino, Carey auditioned for the role of Joe Cabot in Reservoir Dogs, and the screenplay was dedicated to him, among others. Carey wrote, produced, directed, and starred in the 1962 cult classic feature The World's Greatest Singer. Singer? The World's Greatest Sinner, whose music soundtrack was scored by a young Frank Zappa. During a 1963 appearance on The Steve Allen Show... During which he played music using bicycles as instruments. Zappa talked about scoring the soundtrack for what he called the world's worst movie. Timothy Carey died of a stroke in his home on May 11th.
3: I really tried to cut that paragraph down, but I was like... Did you, though? Every <laughs> sentence is so good in that. I was like, I can't cut that down. It was... I, I mean, that would there was more, but I mean, this guy was crazy pants.
0: The World's Greatest Sinner, directed by Timothy Carey with Timothy Carey, I'd, I just looked this up. A board insurance salesman quits his job to go into politics. His fir- he first starts preaching about how man is greater than he thinks and that man can live forever. He ends up forming his own dot, 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 stupid IMDb. cult. Does he?
3: I don't know. I'm guessing. I'm filling
2: in the blank. In Beach Blake and Bingo, he was South Dakota Slim. Oh,
0: political party. <laughs> the Eternal oh. Man Party. He begins to be referred to as God. Then he starts having doubts about the eternalness of Man. <laughs> That sounds like a barn bird.
1: This sounds like a romp. <laughs> wow. All right. Last but not least, Tarantino's Pulp Fiction, starring John Travolta, Uma Thurman, and Samuel L. Jackson, among others, appeared at the Cannes Film Festival on May 12th. Also released this week were Maverick, Crooklyn, The Crow, and the acronym of the week, ECGTB, which I think probably stands for Edward Cullen Got That Bitch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sparkle, sparkle. oh
3: that's that's good that's very good sparkle. uh no but that was even cowgirls get the blues I oh the that... freaky ass thumb movie
2: yes i think joel made me watch that
3: <laughs> yeah that sounds like a joel movie so, I figured i would I would reward you with a pulp fiction bullet point after that whole nightmare of a paragraph, Josh
1: oh yeah, but between me losing my way six times, mispronouncing a few words, and the dog going insane, it went fine. <laughs> <laughs> I like Maverick,
3: yeah. guess what we're only halfway through this tweet, I liked Maverick too.
2: it was fun, it was yeah. goofy,
3: it was fun, yeah, and you know it's one of those uh, poker movies that what that didn't take itself too seriously, mm-hmm. but it was still entertaining and fun, but didn't like blow the rules up very badly. Like a lot of poker movies do.
2: Yeah. I liked it when they're on the boat and he's like holding his cards backwards and all that. Yep, It's
0: yep. one of the last appearances of James Coburn. Oh, James Coburn. Awesome.
2: All right. So TV, the top shows in the land were Seinfeld ER home improvement and grace under fire. And it was 1994.
3: I liked grace under fire.
2: I've never seen Grace Under Fire. Uh on May nineteenth, the final episode of LA Law aired.
0: No more shows, Doc Man.
2: Oh Jesus. Oh my god. Okay, we just gotta hit on some someone. We're on a list now for that one. Uh the five hundred hundredth five hundredth commentary by Andy Wooney and his eyebrows. <laughs> Aired on 60 Minutes on 80. <laughs> I
0: don't know why that got me. <laughs> Sorry, my
2: tongue got in the way of me talking. Andy, Andy Wooney. Andy Wooney and his eyebrows. 500th commentary of a lunatic man yelling at the camera.
3: The ultimate man yells at Cloud.
2: Yeah.
0: Patrick's grandfather.
2: Yeah. <laughs> my spiritual grandfather. mm mm-hmm. On May 13th, TV history was made as Johnny Carson made a surprise appearance on The Late Show with David Letterman to deliver Letterman his top 10 list. This would prove to be Carson's final television appearance.
0: Aw, what a way to I go, hate though,
2: Johnny Carson.
0: It's a great way to go, though. Yeah, it really was kind of passing the torch, so to speak. Even though Leno took over his show, but well, Carson was hilarious. Yeah, I used to love to watch Carson.
2: Yeah.
3: The the funniest thing about Carson was when his jokes bombed. That was Oh yeah. That was him at his best. Uh, why have we not done a late late show show? We did a show on late on late night shows. Did we? I don't
1: think we Pretty did. Sure we did. No. no, I think it's just we, we haven't did. thought of it. I thought we did.
0: I thought I remember talking about Conan, but Right know. God, we have done too many shows. <laughs> Somebody check the list.
3: I'm on it.
2: So uh, May eighth was the death of George Papard Jr., an American film and television actor who became known as he starred alongside Audrey Hepburn uh, in Breakfast at Tiffany's, and later The Carpetbaggers. On television, he played the title role of millionaire insurance investigator and sleuth Tom Thomas Banachek Bene- ben- ben- Banachek. Banachek Banachek Banachek. Banana check. Banana check. Captain Banana check. Captain ben- Banana check. check. To us, he is always known as Colonel John Hannibal Smith, the cigar-smoking leader of the renegade commando squad of the A-Team. I love it when a plan comes together.
3: Uh, Show 91, late night talk shows.
2: No so. we did that. God bless.
3: It's sandwiched in between the cooking and food show show and the online role-playing game show.
2: We did an online role-playing game show. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that one, too.
3: We have done so many shows. Okay, here's a little... This is going to give you a little bit of reference. The show before the cooking and food show show was Mad Max.
2: Wow. Whoa. Yeah. All right.
3: We've been doing this a while.
2: Yeah, we have. (laughs) We've completely lost it. Uh, Former first... (laughs) lady. Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis died of cancer at 64 years of age on May 19th. Her funeral was broadcast live on all major television networks.
0: They buried her in a pillbox hat that was absorbed. A lot of death this week, Pat.
2: Well, he hasn't had a lot of death in the last few weeks either. So. Right?
3: I'm making up for it.
2: True. This week also marked the death of comedian Bobcat Goldplate.
3: <laughs> no, 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 start <laughs> over.
2: Yeah, <You got> <laughs> Comedian Bob Peck who made his name by acting crazy in front of TV cameras. That is a terrible way of describing Bob <laughs> <Tick>. <laughs> Um He was officially charged on May 20th to mis- misdemeanors for setting a chair ablaze during the May 6th taping of the Tonight Show. Goldthwaite reportedly angered about the cancellation of the Arsenio Hall show, which is a weird thing to get upset about lit the guest chair on fire. It was doused with cups of water. He had previously, on April 29th, trashed a set of Arsenio's show and spray-painted graffiti on the backdrop in protest. Jay Leno was not amused, and Goldthwait leader pleaded no contest to a misdemeanor charge stemming from the stunt. He paid a fine, replaced the chair, and was forced to film a series of fire safety. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Bobcat what, what, fires Josh, Josh, give me
2: some Bobcat goldthwaite fire <laughs> safety tips
0: <laughs> uh you
3: shouldn't light a baby on fire
0: <laughs> <mumbles>
3: that was more barney that really was, <laughs> but you shouldn't light a baby on fire. That's a real trip real tip from me
0: <laughs> pro tip from Patrick <laughs> never again. <what>
3: Yeah. I, Fool me once.
0: <laughs> Silent night.
2: I've got I've got a uh okay, I looked up Bobcat Goldthwaite fire safety tips and I just have a whole bunch of pictures of videos of him setting
3: the chair on fire. The yeah. chair on fire. Go figure that the media and and pop culture would focus on the fire incident and not the actual safety videos. Completely. That is um, that is America right there. Yeah. Moving on to sports. On May 7th, an NBA playoff first occurred when the Denver Nuggets became the first number eight seed to beat a number one seed when they beat the Gary Payton and Sean Kemp-led Seattle Supersonics 3-2 to in a series-clinching Game 5 thrilling overtime game. I remember watching that live. It was actually really was thrilling. Josh, look at this paragraph and know that I did it to myself, too, so it's not just you.
2: Is that a name or is that a chemical compound?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Xenophon Constantine Balaskas, sometimes known as Zen or Bali, was a South African all-round cricketer who scored two thousand six hundred and ninety-six first-class runs at twenty-eight point six eight and took two hundred and seventy-six wickets at twenty-four point one one with his leg-spin bowling. Mm. Mm. He played for Griquinland West, and in 1930, he topped both the runs and wickets list in the Curry Cup by taking 39 wickets at 29.20, including five five-wicket hauls, and scoring 644 runs at over 80, including a career-best 206 against Rhodesia. The following season, he made his test-match debut at Johannesburg's Old Wanderer's Ground, but made no impact, scoring 7-3 and three and bowling just two overs in the match. The second test at Cape Town proved only slightly better. Velazquez made a duck and took two and four, 104 in the match. He was dropped for the rest of the series. In 1931-32, he toured Australia and New Zealand with, with South Africa, but could make the test side only for the second leg of the tour, replaying the selectors, repaying the selectors with his only test century, 122 not out at Wellington. His next test appearance came in England in 1935 and it was there at Lord's, his only appearance of the series, that he produced the best bowling performance of his career. Recording splendid analysis of 32-8, 49-5 and 27-8, 54-4 to wow. help his country to their first test victory on English soil. Velasquez took nine wickets in three tests against Australia the following winter and playing for Transvaal took 8-60 and 60 against Western Province in 37-38. But there was to be only one further international appearance against England at Cape Town in 38-39 and a return of 0 for one together with the coming of World War II, sealed his fate as a test cricketer. He resumed his domestic cricket career after the war and enjoyed a fine 1945-46 season when he took 47 wickets at 15-95. and But after a couple of matches the following year, he hung up his bat for good. Velasquez has the third lowest test match batting average of any player who has made a century with 14.5. He died in Hyde Park, Johannesburg at the age of 83 on May 12th. Absorbed. All right. How the hell do you make
2: a duck? I don't know. Only God can make a duck. <laughs> I don't know what that <laughs> means. I don't know what any of that means. But he took two and 104 in that match. What? Why are the stats on this game four numbers long i feel like someone reset my brain on
3: cricket <laughs> well it was a splendid analysis of 32 8 49 and 5 no, i don't know what that <laughs> i don't know what that means either like, come it on. could
2: have been it could have been a splendid analysis of mayo mustard ketchup and <laughs> salsa i don't know what
3: that means they are numbers cricket is a joke <laughs> played on the entire earth. It's an international prank on America.
2: <laughs> I know. That's exactly what this is. Flat cricketers. Oh, my
3: God. Well, And lastly, on May 16th, tennis star Jennifer Capriati was arrested after police came to hot- her hotel room to look for a runaway. Police said they found Capriati alone, and they uncovered an undetermined amount of marijuana. When the female runaway and a man arrived at the room after pulling up in Capriati's car... They were also arrested on drug charges. The runaway was charged with possession of two packets of heroin. The man was charged with possession of crack cocaine and drug paraphernalia. Capriati was charged with possession of marijuana, a misdemeanor, and then released. Three days later, she checked into a rehab center.
2: Okay, I was going to say, when they say they have an undetermined amount of marijuana, it's either a very small amount or a very large amount.
3: (laughs) She was sleeping on a bed of marijuana.
2: The fact that she checked into rehab three days later probably says that it was a large amount.
3: Well, it was probably only a little amount, to be honest with you, because if you're doing these other harder drugs, you're only doing marijuana just to kind of take the edge off. So you don't need a copious amount like an actual pothead would.
2: So you you smoke marijuana to take the edge off of the crack?
3: Yeah.
0: This crack is a little too harsh.
3: Man, this crack crack got me all wired up. I got to calm down. Smoke a little weed. That's oh. like you know, I mean a lot of uh like coke heads are gonna be alcoholics because alcohol takes the weed the, the the edge off of coke.
0: You know what else takes the edge off coke, not doing it.
3: True. Just saying. I mean I hang out with a lot of dregs of society. I don't actually do anything other than weed myself, but I know a lot about drugs because people I hang out with do a lot of drugs. And they're very informative. They don't mind talking about it. <laughs>
2: yeah. They're like, you know, why I'm smoking this pot? Because I just did crack.
3: I, I, I'm, I'm very much. I, I ask a lot of questions because I don't give a shit. Like,
2: <laughs> what the hell are you sticking in your arm? Nope. Like,
3: oh, All you've right. done meth. You've done meth before. Oh yeah. What's that like? Tell me about it. <laughs> How do you do know it? How do you make it? Where do you get it? Yeah. Do you, you know why? Being a
2: little too inquisitive there. I'm just
0: saying.
3: Yeah. Whatever. I don't care. I like to know shit.
0: He's got friends in low places.
3: You said it, brother. Play us off keyboard, Joel.
0: Yes. (laughs) Na 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 na. Crack. Pipe. Jones. (laughs) No.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that could turn ugly real, real fast.
1: (laughs) Real fast. (laughs) Hello, everyone. I'm Crack Pipe Jones. (laughs)
3: <laughs> turns out he's a gentleman. <laughs> My family made their fortune in crack pipes.
2: He doesn't do crack, I just sell the pipes.
3: <laughs> oh, they've got family money going way back to the 1800 <laughs> crack-, <laughs> crack.
0: I can't sell crack at all. Some- <laughs> 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 oh,
3: oh, the yeah. gentleman, the gentleman crack pipe Jones.
2: All right, nineteen ninety-four. Somebody felt that the movie Four Weddings and a Funeral needed to be made. So this film follows the fortunes of Charles and his friends as they wonder if they were ever find true love and Mary. Charles thinks he's found Miss Wright in Carrie, who is an American. This British subtle comedy revolves around Charlie, his friends, and the four weddings and one funeral in which they attend. Is that the official IMDB description
0: of this movie? Yes.
3: It's a weird description, wherever it came from.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I looked around, and then they yeah. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. It's, yeah,
3: it's, it's accurate. Yeah, it's, it's 100% accurate, but it's also just very, it's like, it's just very strangely worded. Yeah.
2: So this is directed by Mike Newell.
3: The famous Mike Newell?
2: Famous Mike Newell, who also directed Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Written by A1 Richard Curtis. Besides having stunningly blue eyes, also did Love Actually, Pirate Radio, and About Time. Love is all around What is it with that song? <laughs> what was in Love Actually also? Yeah, I know. I don't understand what the... Obs- it
3: was a huge, huge hit in Britain. Okay. Which is why it's featured in a lot of British movies.
0: Christmas all around you. All right. So I mean, it was,
3: it was basically their version of tainted love.
0: Eh, eh, tainted love.
2: Is it though? Yeah. Okay. It was.
3: I mean, it was huge.
2: Okay. I'll take your word for it. So this stars Hugh Grant, a very young Hugh Grant, as Charles. Yeah, this was his breakout. I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah. yeah he was in charge. Yeah. I mean, huge. in the states for sure. And his
2: kind of tousled hair. He's foppish. Uh, Jeez. James Fleet as Tom uh, was also in uh, Phantom of the Opera and the Vicar of Dibley. Oh. Yeah.
3: I knew I knew him from something. Holy cow. And it was the Vicar of Dibley.
2: And he is currently in playing Harry Price in the 2020 post-production right now of Blight Spirit.
0: The busy man. Didn't you guys do Blythe Spirit on stage? I never have. I didn't. I haven't either. I think Phil wanted to do it, but I don't think he ever did. Uh, did didn't Matt, didn't
3: Matthew do it?
2: No, Matt Matt Matthew did um a funny thing happen on the way to the forum. Mm.
3: All, right. all right.
2: Oh well. Uh Simon Callow as Gareth from Wedding One. That and this is all they had them all categorized within the uh yeah. Also,
0: they only uh, have a first name
2: too, which is odd. Uh, well, I mean, that's all they refer to them. Yeah. To. Uh, room with a view, and Shakespeare in Love for Simon, uh, John, Hannah, oh, Hanna. Matthew. If you do not know what he who he is, you have apparently never seen the Mummy or
3: Mid- Midsummer Night's Dream.
2: Midsummer Night's He
3: was a great puck.
2: Yeah. Or the uh, second season of Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency.
0: I I legitimately love John Hannah, and his speech in this film is just gets me every time. You
3: love the puck out of him.
0: I do. Nice. I'd make out with him in a dark room. All right, or a lit room. Yeah, why not? Uh, Fiona is played
2: by Kristen Scott Thomas, uh, who, along with this, was also in the English Patient. And something called oh, well, Only God Forgives and Godford, Gosford Park, which I thought was a really good movie. I freaking love
1: Gosford Park. I it's, don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, it's uh, a b- very, very British uh, murder mystery comedy. It, it's got it's like distilled essence of Downton Abbey, but more comic because they're both Julian Fellows joints. Hmm. Yep.
2: All right. And then we have David Bauer uh, playing David in Wedding One, uh, who has also been in something called Shatter Dead.
0: I own that one. Huh. Believe mm. it or not.
1: Well, no, I believe it. Believe <laughs> it. I believe.
2: Is
0: it Shatter Dead, right? Shatter
2: Dead. He plays dead people. Figured I would A depressing that. tale about a world of the undead and a woman's trek to get to her boyfriend's home.
0: Okay. Yep, that's the one. Oh, he's
3: like, oh no, I own fatter dead. It's about the dead that can't lose weight. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I just I didn't know that some that anybody in that film actually made anything, because it's a very very super low budget movie. So
1: ever did anything with their life at all? Exactly. It's a good film. It's actually a
0: surprisingly good little indie film, but it's super like low budget. All
2: right, Charlotte Coleman as Scarlet from Wedding One, uh, is known for such things as oranges are not the only fruit. Is
3: that a PSA?
2: I have no idea. And then a shortly-lived TV show starring, uh, well, uh, called Do You Want Me? who is also starring one of my favorite British uh, comedians and uh, stars Dylan Moran. You know those Hmm. PSAs,
0: Pat? She did them with Bobcat Goldblade.
2: (laughs) Yeah. If you don't know Dylan Moore you need to watch Black Books. Ah, uh, yes. Yes.
0: I thought the uh, name was familiar.
2: Yeah. Uh Andy McDowell. Uh, Yay! Um, uh cardboard stand up.
0: Oh. I love Andy McDowell. <laughs> yes you do.
2: Of course you do. I do. Yeah. I'm sure you do. Who has you known for Juliana the...
3: Hatfield of Hollywood? <laughs>
2: Shit! Uh, who is known for Groundhog Day, Hudson Hawk, and Sex, Lies, and Videotape? Fun story about that. When I worked at the video store, my mom came to me one day and said, "There's a new movie out. I th- can you bring me, uh, bring me that home if you have a copy." And I said, "What is it you want to see?" It was something, something in videotape. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Sex, Lies, and Videotape she goes yeah that's it i'm like i don't know if you want to watch that that is not a movie i think i'm comfortable knowing that you have seen
3: that's not a movie i'm comfortable bringing to
2: you yeah and she was like oh no no no, i'm I'm totally good i'm like it's directed by steven soderbergh you have to understand what that means no all right well she watched it and then later like the next day i was getting ready to leave for work and she's like
3: just why? Why did you bring me this movie? I know. It's,
2: why would you let me watch this? <laughs> That's pretty much what it was. And finally, Rowan Atkinson as Father Gerald,
0: and the Holy Spigot.
2: That was the was a redeeming scene from the from this movie.
0: Yeah,
1: you apparently did not like this movie. Yeah, I was no. gonna say. I, I think you might be alone on this one. Oh.
2: All right, so trivia. Inspiration from the film came when Richard Curtis was flipping through some old diaries and he realized that he had been to 72 weddings in 10 years. That's a Damn. lot of weddings.
3: I went a to nine lot of weddings, weddings over the course of my college, and I thought that was a lot. Wow. Uh,
2: Andy McGall waived a fee for appearing in the film, taking percentage points instead. This netted her an eventual $2 million compared with Hugh Grant's salary of 100000
3: Wow, My choice. Okay.
2: Always take the points. Always,
3: <laughs> not always, <laughs> no, almost always,
2: unless you're in Shattered, Ed. and then all yeah. right. Hugh Grant had to learn uh, British sign language for his scenes with his brother, played by deaf actor David Bauer. That was some great great acting there.
3: I wonder if the character was deaf, or they made him deaf after they were ca- after they cast him.
2: I mean, did the oh. physically? Like, like they,
0: they punctured his eardrums? Like,
3: yeah, like, he wasn't supposed to be deaf, but they hired a guy that could hear, and they're like, well, we need, we need him to be deaf now, so they punctured his eardrums. Yeah. That's what I meant, Joel, yes.
0: Somebody got tough with him.
3: <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Dr. Banana got tough with him.
0: <laughs> Captain Dr. Banana.
3: No, Dr. Banana, not Captain.
0: There's <laughs> two of them now?
2: Captain Dr. Banana. Banana
3: is so much better than Captain Banana.
2: It's Dr. Captain Banana. Get the shit straight. <laughs> what is even happening? Uh, this is also Rowan Atkinson's favorite film of his own
0: I thought that was interesting that he would pick this film it's a great film don't get me wrong but out of all the well, stuff maybe he's done, he
3: doesn't want to pick one that he was like the main star of because he's a humble man
0: oh you know? that's possible
2: uh, in the opening scene the F word is used 13 times and both by Charles and Scarlett yeah he
0: says fuck a lot yeah he does and then later he says
2: bugger Bugger. 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 All right. Is this a first viewing of for this of any of us? No. Only you. For this year, yes. I'm not sure if it's the first viewing for me.
3: Really? I, for all intents and purposes, it is because you don't remember watching it, but I told him there's almost no way he escaped watching it with all three of us always watching it all the time.
2: All right. I'm going to put this out there. Carrie is a fucking sociopath.
3: <laughs> well, yeah. Carrie is not the best part of this movie
1: no that's just
0: we can even though
1: yeah go ahead even though i don't share patrick's opinion of the actress the character is not the most charming one
0: correct and i agree with patrick on the the last scene in the rain it's pretty it's pretty cardboard
3: yeah that's and that's just one of the worst closing scenes of any of of my favorite movies of all time it really falls off a cliff
0: (laughs) i still love the film i love the characters in the film I love the way it's told. I just, yeah, maybe they're not the greatest people at times, some of them, but it's still just a, a, a solid piece of filmmaking.
3: Before we even get really started, yeah, I just really enjoy this. I mean, this has always been one of my favorites. It's not I would never put it in, like, my top ten movies of all time or anything, but it's one of my favorite movies.
1: It's probably one of my top three, maybe even top two romantic comedies.
3: Yeah, it's probably in my top ten romantic comedies if I just want, yeah. It would probably be like number ten or nine. I would, I would imagine.
0: I'd say that's a fair cop. I'd put it around there. too. I mean, I love Hugh Grant. I, that's not a secret. But despite that, I yeah, I legit love this film.
3: So that's... let's talk, let's just break the film down real quick. It's it's told through the structure of, as the title suggests, four weddings and a funeral. It starts uh, at one of the weddings and progresses through you know, through time as characters meet and fall in love and so on and so forth. And the characters that we're all following keep going to these weddings that none of them are involved in until finally, you know, we go to the funeral and the wedding at the end.
0: And during the course of it, you see all the characters progress and, and go through their lives, but you only get the snapshot of that at each of the weddings more or less.
3: And there's a little bit of, you know, trope here and there on like, you know, him always being late, you know, with his r- roommate, Scarlett, they're always running in last minute to everything, you know. I that's, mean, that's his sister. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I don't know why I said roommate. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, they are roommates, yes, but yeah. it is a sister. Yeah,
3: too. but um, and there's you know there's little twists and turns here and there as you find out more about you know you you find out after the sadness of Gareth's death that you know that none of them somehow had a clue that he and Matthew were in a relationship.
0: And I, I said it earlier on got to the cast, but that speech that he gives just, it hits me in the heart every single time.
3: Yeah, I I can't watch this movie without being crushed by that speech of his every single time.
0: And his performance of it is just yeah, spot it, on.
3: Oh, it's so heart-wrenching.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think for me, the thing that makes it is, while all the characters aren't always likable, I always find them charming. Except maybe Carrie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I, I love Andy McDowell and other things, but not her finest performance it feels a lot like she's kind of phoning it in that's
3: how that's that's her mo that's how she i mean she's not a good actress. she's a face she's a very attractive woman who parlayed that into a, a career i mean and i i you know good good for you i mean it works you know it worked you made two million dollars you know acting like a horrible actress in this movie so
0: <laughs> who is
3: i mean there's not there, there's really just no scene i mean there, there's not a whole lot of chemistry between the two of them because she doesn't have chemistry as an actress. And I just, I think this movie would be probably one of my favorite romantic comedies of all time. If you could take Andy McDowell out and put almost any competent actress in that role.
2: I agree.
0: They had a, in the trivia, they had some other actresses that were considered. Uh, I think Jean Triplehorn was one of them.
1: Yeah. She was the top choice.
0: Yeah which would have made it a, a little bit different movie, but she's, she is typically, I mean, she's a, she's a solid actress. So yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: um, and I think Jean Triplehorn had the role locked up and there were family problems or something that she had to deal with. Yeah. I think,
3: I mean, dream, like a dream cast. Imagine like a Michelle Pfeiffer huh. in that role.
0: Hmm. I'm trying to think of who else was popular in 1994. <laughs> that would have been of the right age, you know,
3: uh, what's your face. Joey, uh...
0: Joey Lauren Adams? Yeah. She might have been a little too young. And one of the things that I really like about this movie is uh, uh, the Animal House ending, where they give follow-ups on each one of the the people. They don't tell what happened to them, but they show pictures of their wedding. They
3: show, don't tell.
0: Yeah. And it's nice, because it gives you closure on each one of the characters. So it's a complete piece from start to finish.
3: And I but... really, I really like Tom, by the way. Tom cracked me up. Are you the richest man in England? Oh no, no, no. Like
1: seventh. <laughs> no.
3: Do you have enough rooms? Uh 137 to be exact.
2: <laughs> yeah. I I like him because he's he is obviously the richest and most, I don't to say pampered of all of them, but he's still am-
0: amazingly grounded for what he is.
3: Yeah. That's why he's that's why he's a fun character.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, what is it Mike that the that- rubbed you the wrong way aside from Carrie the sociopath honestly i was
2: the whole time i was watching i was trying to imagine this movie without carrie being a recurring character because he meets carrie in the beginning he I, i i don't know it's just the fact that i think i'm gonna fall back on what pat said maybe i dislike the actress i mean the character of carrie so much because andy mcdowell is so cardboard in this, in this role. I mean, like when she, when she wakes up, when they wake up in the next morning after the first wedding and she's like, we're engaged now. Correct. Yeah, it was, there was absolutely no tip of the hat that she was joking.
3: And even when it was revealed that it was like a little prank, it still, it just felt like so fake. Like, yeah, there was, I, you know, and I don't, I mean, I'm not, I don't, don't want to harp on it, but she just, she can't act.
2: Yeah, I agree with Patrick. I think there was just
0: no, she's not good at
3: acting
2: <laughs>
0: subtlety. Well, here's a question. I'm I'm looking at, at actresses of 1994, kind of ones that were popular at the time. Yes, and yes. I think back to Hugh Grant's other outings and his role with Julia Roberts in Notting Hill. So would Julia Roberts have been a better choice?
3: I'm not even a fan of Julia Roberts, but yeah, she would have been a better choice. Yeah,
0: I think so. I think she would have pulled off what they were wrote into the script for the character with yeah, less the char- kind the, of the, the, weirdness.
3: The charming girl that you can fall in love with instantly. I, I, I mean, I could see the the problem with the with the way the Carrie is portrayed by Annie McDowell is there's no believability to why somebody would fall in love with her. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean the, the the whole scene of their first hookup, you know, it it felt more awkward than like you know. Like all the descriptions of, you know, doing this in the church and everything. It was supposed to be like, you know, funny and spontaneous and whatever. And we're just being, you know, kitschy. But it just felt like awkward. Like we don't know how to have adult conversations while we're having sex.
0: So like me when I'm dating.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, just when you're dating, Joel.
2: Yeah, you're just awkward when you're dating. (laughs) I initially did not like her in this role when she was ineffectively trying to hide behind the couch. That should have been a lot funnier scene than it was. Yeah. When he turns around, looks at the guy, looks at the boorish guy coming down the stairs and comes back and she's gone. That should have, I should have laughed at that. But I didn't because it, there was no, I don't want to say emotion to it, but there was no fun in it. Well. Whereas Julia Roberts would have been a lot of
0: fun in that role. It's also a little difficult to match when you've got, you know, Hugh Grant at his kind of st- stammering charmingness and then you've uh, got Simon Callow who's so over the top and big and such a large character Um, or even Kristen Scott Thomas who even though she's kind of a little bit more subdued is still when she's on the screen you already know what her character is without her even saying a word it kind of makes it all that much more apparent that you've got a weak link in the chain but the fact that it still pulls off and and at least for three of us is one of our favorite romantic comedies that's saying a lot about the film regardless I think
1: I agree. Well, yeah. And that's the thing is romantic comedies lean pretty heavily on tropes and cliches. And the key for me is, can I care about what happens to these people when they're going through situations that are basically pretty formulaic? If I care about the characters enough as people, I'm going to like the movie.
3: Because they're so full of tropes is it's all about the characters you have to, and you have to care about them. Yeah, Yeah, you're right.
0: And I can legit, legit say I care about pretty much everyone in the film, even even Father Gerald.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean the only one that I don't care about is Carrie, and I I, I it's it's a combination of writing because she is written very poorly. I mean the second you know her fiance gets out of sight, she jumps into bed with with him again. You know, I mean that's just something that in movies is specifically. I mean that's like supposed to be like in the world of Hollywood, that's a clear sign of this is a bad person. I mean, it's very realistic, let's not lie, you know, but I mean, in the world of Hollywood trope, that's a trope that says this is a bad person.
2: I think part of the reason why I thought and Carrie was such a terrible character is that Andy McDowell cannot emote. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, I'm going to have sex with you because that is what I do. It was almost like, uh, what's his name from um, American Psycho?
3: She's a Patrick, Patrick Bateman. Of, Bateman?
2: Yeah. yeah, she's like a freaking Patrick.
0: She's
3: Bateman. the Patrick Bateman of *Nymphomaniacs*. <laughs>
0: I thought she was like the data of the. On um, she's like almost on Star but Trek. Yeah.
3: I mean, but my they, my point being, like, it is a combination of her acting and the writing. Because as a writer, if you're going to write a woman like this, then hmm. you're, you're clearly you're not writing her to be liked.
2: Right. Now I'm not saying that I okay I did not like Carrie. I, th- I do not like Andy McDowell pretty much as a thing. But when Gareth died, that was striking. Yeah. That whole thing was, I mean, the fact that Charles and everybody else was trying to keep it quiet while trying to get over to Matthew and let him know what was going on was a, a heart-wrenching scene.
3: Well, and also, I mean, again, that goes back to none of them knew how important – that you know Matthew and Gareth were to each other. If they'd have known that, they probably would have made a bigger scene to get Matthew. I mean, you know, his his lover is dying. You know, and, and just having that information, watching the movie like you know over and over again, it's even more it gets even more heart wrenching. Yeah,
0: it's a bigger gut punch. Yeah, because you see him in the background. You know.
3: because yeah, oh, you sorry. keep watching everybody come up. You know, all the friends keep coming up. Oh my God, and they're they're there for him, and the one person who wasn't.
2: It's not like that was his fault.
3: No, not at all. I'm. I'm just saying. I mean, as far as you know, that's that's good writing. You know. That's, yeah. Oh
2: yeah. yeah, completely. And the other thing that I like about it is the the reaction of everybody at the funeral was incredibly genuine. In fact, Patrick, I am actually uh, memorizing Tom's lines for when <laughs> you die. Joel and I are just going to do the Tom and Charles scene together for us, for you. Okay.
3: (laughs) That's, I mean, and and seriously, that's one of the things that's great about this movie is the characters are very relatable. You can see yourself in different aspects of each one of them. And Gareth was my favorite character. And you know, his death was, was like I said, the funeral scene. That's crushing. I mean, it really is. Yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure. And while I'm not saying, okay, I want to, I want to back this up with, I did not hate this movie. I do not like Andy McDowell.
3: (laughs) See, you were watching this movie with too much Andy McDowell filter.
0: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And see, I like Andy McDowell, but.
3: You have to you have to learn to watch this movie through uh, without the Andy McDowell filter. You have to you have to like almost ignore her on screen when she's on screen.
2: Well, is that a, is that like a plugin I can get for Chrome?
3: <laughs> it is. You just when the next time you watch this movie, just kind of, you, every time you watch it, she slowly starts fading away more and more. And
2: yeah, but then I'm like, wait a second, who is Hugh Grant talking to?
3: <laughs> and then you go, I don't care. Yeah. It's like
0: Michael J. Fox's brother and sister and Back to the Future.
3: <laughs> I now have a, a. When I watch this movie, there's only like a faint image of Andy McDowell left.
0: The handy Andy filter. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, look at her resume when you look, you know, she's got this and she's got multiplicity and she's got um, Michael,
3: Groundhog Day,
0: Groundhog Day. That was the other one I was trying to think of. I mean, she's got a good resume, but this is definitely the weakest performance of from
2: well, her as a recruiter. You know what I'm going to say? People lie in their resume.
3: Well, she didn't lie about being in those movies. She was in those, she was movies. In those movies. She just wasn't good in them
1: yeah see i'm with joel on this the where i like her especially because of those films but this was not her strongest performance then
3: then i suggest you go watch michael
2: i've i've seen she's
3: awful in that too
2: oh my god i thought you were like watching me what the hell (laughs) (laughs) like you better not be watching me i don't there's shit i don't want you guys to see look out the
3: window michael not that you haven't oh hello look out the window don't don't search all the cables behind your, your computer, Mike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's his red cable for? <laughs>
3: your webcam's on. And and uh the whole, you know, I'm gonna marry Henrietta thing, you know, it's kinda dumb that they ended with that that wedding because really we all know he's not gonna marry Henrietta. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those, you know, fake drama kind of things, especially once she shows up and says, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not married anymore. you know, Okay, well, this is over. <laughs> but it was kind of cool the way they, you know, did the whole his brother, you know, him translating for his brother. Yeah. I really liked his brother. Yeah, his brother is awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that's a great scene when he's like, I did think of a third thing, you know. <laughs> but then,
3: I love that whole scene where he's like, there are three ways you can do this. And, then, and what's the third I can't think of a third.
0: <laughs> I can't think of a third. But then he does. And he interrupts the wedding to tell him. That's getting a punch. That's in a the good face. brother. hmm
3: But that's what drives this movie and makes it good, is the characters and their relationships with each other. None of despite the fakeness of Annie McDowell, none of their relationships and none of their you know none of their characters and none of their acting with them is bad or fake, and that's what makes this movie good.
0: Yeah. Great it, rises
3: far be- it rises far beyond Annie McDowell's ability to suck to still be very good. She Wait. is a black hole of suckiness trying to pull this movie into a, her vortex. And this movie says, no, we are too powerful.
0: She is the Maximilian shell of this movie.
3: You cannot pull us into your suckiness.
0: I forgot what we are talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's The good. black hole.
3: The black hole of Annie McDowell's yeah. suckiness.
0: Oh, I thought we were just talking about the black hole of the movie.
3: But But she is cute.
2: 2019, Four Weddings and a Funeral came out on Hulu. It is the television adaptation of the romantic comedy film Four Weddings and a Funeral. The IMDb. This is a movie about this with this. So uh, th- uh, on this thing, uh, we've got Nath- Nathalie.
1: Nathalie. Nathalie.
2: Nathalie Nath- yeah. or Nath- is it Natalie or Natalie? I don't
3: know. I think it's just pronounced with a T. Hmm. I'm not 100%, but I think
2: so. Nathalie Emmanuel, starring as Maya in this one, who we remember from just a show ago, playing Deet in the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance and Game of Thrones. Uh, I was going to say, most people would know her from Game of Thrones.
0: Miss Sunday. Yeah. I'm,
2: I'm trying to do a callback to our other shows, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nikesh Patel as Cash.
3: He's like uh, a Nick, but not quite.
2: Yeah, he's Nickish. Nickish. Uh, also known for such movies as Indian Summers, Halal Daddy, and London Has Fallen. He's also in the upcoming Artemis Fowl movie. I like him.
3: Yeah. This is the first time I've seen him. Yeah, I liked him.
2: Yeah, he was all right. All right, and also Rebecca Rittenhouse as Ainsley Howard. Uh, you may know her from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where she played Michelle Phillips, was something called the Red Band Society, where she played Nurse Dobbler and uh, a couple other things.
0: And she was in the first um, Into the Dark episode, The Body, the Halloween episode from last year. Hmm. First time I saw her.
2: Did we watch that for the show?
0: No. Uh-uh. Oh.
2: All right. I almost felt bad for a second. So, John, as <laughs> Duffy, uh, John Reynolds, is known for Stranger Things, where he plays Officer Callahan. He's the other deputy. Yes, the not-black deputy.
0: (laughs) Yes, I was trying to be...
2: But what? I mean, it's... It's
3: That is a skin color. Sorry. That's (laughs) that's it.
2: All right, and also after this, we have Brandon McCall Smith as Craig. Uh, Also played Little Richard in a biopic called Get On Up.
1: Damn it, I was muted. As soon as you said he was Craig, I said, now recording. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Uh, also was JV's
2: cleaning boy in She's All That. And we'll just leave that right where it is. Uh, Zoe Boyle as Gemma. 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 Gemma.
3: Gemma. 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 This is common English name.
2: Oh, as you are. Ah, uh, she's also in Downton Abbey as Lavinia Swire in Pua Pua Pua, Pua. <laughs>
3: oh. I think oh. Mike's having a stroke.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I might, I'm having a British stroke. Uh, <laughs> she plays Ginny Boyton, and also in Sons of Anarchy, she was Trinity Trinity Ashby. God, there's a lot of people. This Sophia Laporta as Zara, Craig's wife. Craig's wife. Girlfriend. Craig, whatever. Girlfriend was also played somebody named Juniper Cole in
0: a show called Ripper Street. She's kind of a terrible human being in this show, but.
3: Yeah, I'm not a big fan of her character.
0: Yeah, If you keep watching by episode four, you'll hit. If you don't already. Nope. Harish Patel as Haroon. Just look up his resume. All you need to do is is give the number of films that he's been in. And dude's got a career.
2: 149 credits. And he's funny. Yeah, he is like
3: why he has a good career, I'm sure. Yeah.
2: yeah, he is exactly what we
1: need him to be. Gus yeah. Khan? Oh, I was just going to say, there's a lot of characters I like, but uh, Harun might be my favorite.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that whole family, that Pakistani family is just...
1: Yeah. Uh, Gus
2: Khan is Bashir. Gus Khan is also in Four Weddings and a Funeral, Man Like Mobin, Curfew, and Turn Up Charlie. So a lot of stuff. Maybe turn
0: him up. Maybe that's why he's not calling in. Nobody's turned him up. (laughs)
2: Jesus.
0: (laughs) I'm going
2: to punch you right in the dick. Uh,
0: Another one added to the list.
2: Bryce Dillon is played by Dermot Mulroney. 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 Stroke. (laughs) I'm having a stroke. (laughs) Also known for being in. We
3: need to get Mike an English tutor.
0: (laughs) Speech therapist. (laughs) My name is Michael. <laughs> now recording. My now <laughs> recording. recording. Michael O'Neill. He gets speech therapy from Tim Curry. <laughs> <laughs> My God, you're a
2: dick. Uh, you also Dirty Steve-, Steve Stevens in Young Guns.
0: Yeah, I think we all know Dermot.
2: Yep. Yep. And also, uh, one of my f- one of my favorite shows. He plays a character, Bobby Sheridan,
0: in The Purge. And he was in a, uh, another another Into the Dark episode, the the Halloween or the Thanksgiving one from last year. Henry Toombs.
3: Plus, he's got a name very similar to Dylan McDermott.
0: So mm-hmm. he gets confused a lot.
3: Yeah, they're like, "Oh, Dylan McD- no, that and him."
0: Andy Garcia
2: what? finally. Andy McDowell playing a cardboard
3: box.
0: <laughs> For no. 61, she looks good. Um, well, Andy that's McDowell her
3: thing, is to look good. I mean, she she can't act.
0: She started as a model. Yeah, um, you know, what I wish they would have done with this, because her character is really, really brief in this series, is that they would have actually made it, her and Hugh Grant's the same role from the original film. And well, would there's have tied no reason not to. You know? Well, yeah. but according to... Everything I've read since then, it's not the same character. But there's no
1: way. Have. I mean, if you pay attention, like ten seconds into her character's introduction, she's obviously not the same character.
3: Right. But I'm saying, like, yeah. there's no reason why they they couldn't have just you know written the character as the same one, and don't know why they had to change it. So if you're gonna make the if you're gonna make the cameo, yeah, why not? I wish they would have full bore.
2: Yeah, make the connection. Yeah. All right. So Dermot Malorny or whoever
3: the. Hell... <laughs> i hate words it's, it's, actually, it's like your, it's like your mouth melts in the middle of saying the name <laughs> dermot
2: <laughs> Mole roney actually plays a cello it's just watch.
3: irish it's not that far from poland it's yes it is <laughs> not really <laughs>
2: I mean, in the grand scheme of things, no, it's not that far as like Mars to Venus. It's well, I'm, not no,
3: I'm not, even on Earth, it's not that far. <laughs> Moving on.
2: <laughs> Jesus he is a classically trained cellist who began playing in Alexandria, Virginia's public school system, when he was seven years old. He plays with scoring orchestras on many films for Academy Award winning composers such as James Newton Howard and Michael Giacano is a little late. Agreed. Yeah, right? As per Mindy Collins' Instagram, jeez, <laughs> am I going to say principal shooting began in London on November 2018.
0: <laughs> that's some trivia for you. God
3: damn.
2: Which no.
0: incidentally, that's all there there's only three.
3: There's there's as much trivia <laughs> as, well, never mind. Yeah. She not think the tweet was so heavy
0: right this is this is her show she she and one other dude this is their show
2: so ainsley's mom is played by andy mcdowell who dun 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 played carrie in the original four weddings and a funeral
3: what boilers yeah
2: well
1: i
0: think joel included literally all the trivia yeah that is,
3: <laughs> that is
0: literally all the trivia on this that's book. everything that was on imdb
3: i think they're using the word trivia very lightly
0: Right, these are possible facts,
3: <laughs> <Like> unsubstantiated facts. <laughs>
0: this is obviously the
2: first viewing for all of us. Mm-hmm. How um um how far do we get into this?
3: I watched all ten episodes. You lying bitch? <laughs> <sighs> I got through the first episode, and uh, I guess I made a mistake because I gave up on it. I did not did not like. I spit
0: it out. Um, I made it through four episodes, and Laura and I are planning on finishing the series.
1: I uh, watched the first three, and will probably continue watching it. I got through two, and then
2: decided that I should do something else. (laughs) But apparently, Josh informs me that I should have gone to three.
3: Yeah, and now I feel bad, because apparently I should have kept watching according to what you guys say, but it's too late, because, spoiler, I'm not going to go back and watch it. Oh,
2: I totally am. In fact, I'm going now.
3: (laughs) There are way too many shows out there for me to watch a show that I'm really not just 100% positive.
1: And that's the thing is, I will say that the first episode is a lot of uh, uh, place setting, I think is the best way to say it. And the characters aren't interesting or charming enough on first glance. And that is one way that it pales in comparison to the original is in a lot shorter time you get to care a lot more about the characters than the original and this, it takes a little bit.
3: And I will guess I, I will admit that, you know, I, I did give up too soon because that's one of the things that I love about the original movie is the character. And I wasn't, I wasn't into them at all. So I was like, I, this is nothing like it. It lost the spirit. And I, yeah, I guess I should have given it a little more.
1: Well, yeah, I, I liked Maya and Cash from the beginning uh, and Ainsley really, but like, Ooh, I didn't like her
3: at all at the beginning.
1: Yeah I liked all three of them from the beginning and I was starting to warm to Gemma but I- I'm with Joel. Uh Zara is the worst and Duffy's pretty shitty too. There was just too much of
3: a of a like he couldn't decide if he wanted to be Jason Siegel or 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 um oh god I can't think of the Ted Mosby I can't think of the actor's name that's how vanilla he Terrence is. Mulroney. <laughs> from how I met your mother, he wanted if he wanted to be the Ted Mosby character or the Jason Siegel character, he just kind of combined them into this mishmash of gray yogurt,
1: and somehow came off as the guy in Shaun of the Dead with the glasses that gets fed to the zombies.
3: Yeah, it's like you're, you're trying you're, you're trying to give off the I'm the 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 awkward Hugh Grant type, but less what's the word before? less suave about it.
0: I don't know. Warm up to him a little more as as it progresses, and yeah, and...
3: I mean, I, I'll, I'll I'll dial back some of my dislike because I only gave it one episode. So
2: now, wait a second, wait a second, jump back here. The guy who that was fed to the zombies in Shaun of the Dead was Dylan Moran. Yep, not Dermot Mulrooney. Definitely not Dermot. But I mean, <laughs> but that that character
1: was. Okay, I'll hot garbage.
2: <laughs> yeah, the character was hot garbage. I still love Dylan Moran just because of him playing Bernard Black, but all right. That's all I have to say. John Reynolds, honestly, I never want to say this sentence again, but he is gray yogurt. A what? That is a terrible thing to say. I mean, just,
0: yeah. Well, one of the things that, that I have enjoyed about this so far is that in the first episode, they establish the characters in one scenario, and then as the progresses everything kind of gets flipped and where you think it's headed it goes another direction
3: but i mean i don't i don't like the character concept of like you're introducing this guy as you know he's going to announce his unrequited love for this woman while she's in town for some other thing it's like it's like that's not you know, how it's supposed to be done that you shouldn't you know, but whatever beside the point, you know, I mean, when you're starting off on that kind of a foot, like the, the pilot episode is when you're supposed to be showing us who the characters are. And if that's the door you want to open first for him, I'm like, well, this is going to be a really weak, horrible character.
0: Well, and that, and that part of his character it comes back. It's not like they just, they get rid of it, but the the route they go to get to the places that they're headed they they kind of crisscross and double back and circle around. Um,
2: yeah. Okay, but. I will say this: for the two episodes that I watched, I needed a freaking spreadsheet of what who slept with who, who was doing what, who, uh, who's whose father. I think they should have eased in a little bit more on
3: a spreadsheet for who is your daddy and what does he do.
2: Exactly, it was <laughs> it was like there's so much to keep track of.
0: In the first couple episodes. I don't know. I I just found it very well written. I I like I like the characters and the fact that Zara specifically is such a terrible person and I physically don't like her is a credit to the actress for portraying that. But, you know, I'm kind of curious. I want to see where it goes because it's four weddings and a funeral. And, you know, there's going to be at least four weddings and a funeral at some point. But I don't give anything away.
1: Yeah, and I, uh, subverting expectations definitely happens in the first four episodes. By, by the end of three, start of four, there's there's at least one big one. Okay, so are well, you... As
3: far as I'm concerned, you can spoil. I don't care, but
1: I don't... Yeah, do I have to go back and watch three? You know, I, I would give it a shot, and if by the end of three, you're not hooked, you're never going to be. Okay.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. And And the nice thing about this is that even though it has the same name, and essentially the concept is the same it they're not telling the same story
1: no but there is i found it odd that uh, the trivia was so sparse and they missed something that i thought was actually a kind of fun little nod in the opening scene for both i mean nathalie emmanuel she's waking up and she's like fuck 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 i that it was a nice nod Mm -hmm. yeah that should have been in the trivia
0: and I would say that uh, in a way, at least initially, uh, Ainsley's best friend, the other woman, I can't think of her name, the really skinny, rich woman, uh, who, her husband. All the is, giant
2: posters at the airport.
0: Yeah, she's, <laughs> that was a cute scene with the old lady. Her husband's a bit more like Hugh Grant.
1: Than, yeah, for sure. Oh, you're talking about Gemma.
0: Yeah, I can't think of her husband's name. but
1: I can't think of uh, her husband's he,
0: he was He was on Sleepy Holloway, played Ichabod. Um, oh. Laura pointed that out to me, but yeah, he, he's more of the Hugh Grant analog. Um, yeah.
1: And he's the comic relief for the first couple episodes, just kind of showing up drunk everywhere. Yeah.
3: Sleeping in bushes.
0: He's not Johnny Cash.
1: Well, there's a, No, that, was, no, a, that, that, was, that was, was a plot point. Yeah. 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 That she was uh, that Gemma was looking for him in the garden where Duffy was because he frequently falls asleep in the bushes. Yeah, but
0: he no, is, he was asleep on the toilet. Yeah,
1: he's
2: a bit of a, a blush. I can't hour. even imagine how much your legs would be asleep if you fell asleep on the toilet.
3: They they fall asleep pretty badly. I've done it twice oh. in my life. Okay, yeah.
0: I don't know that I've ever done that. That's another show, though. Oh, that's a oh, we already did the bathroom show. Never mind. The sleep show. The bathroom show. No, and we the, do the sleep, sleep show. show. We've we done it
3: show?
0: for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick's what like, "What the we?
3: fuck? We have too many shows."
0: Not a thing.
3: So I will admit I dropped the ball. I only watched one episode. I apologize. I, I definitely judged this too quickly.
0: I judged it too quickly. Also, I only watched two. Well, and I, I agree with Josh's thought on it. Is you know, if you've not gotten enough interest in it by the time you're through the third or possibly fourth episode then you're, you're, you're not going to, because yeah they really start to rope you in at that point.
1: If I'd stopped at the end of the first or second, I probably would have had a thumbs-down verdict uh, on it. But uh, yeah, I, I persisted one more, and I ended up flipping my opinion on it.
3: Nice. Well, shit. Now I'm sorry I didn't watch them. I'm a bad podcaster.
0: Oh, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing what happens, because I don't know... I haven't I didn't do any sort of a deep dive on it, whether there's a plan that this is going to be an ongoing thing, which seems kind of silly because it would be like now it's eight weddings and a funeral or something. Eight but,
1: weddings and two funerals.
0: <laughs> but <laughs> I Was have a feeling brisk. it's just it's going to be like a limited series and they'll wrap it up at the end of the 10th episode is my which guess. should be
1: fine, because when I heard about this, like normally I'm pretty uh, when I hear people talk about remakes, since we talk about so many of them and they always want to talk shit about remakes i i hate it when people say why did this need to exist but that was kind of my reaction when i heard this was a thing
3: i say that all the time
0: yeah but you say that about like bananas or when you're looking in the mirror and babies
3: (laughs) mainly babies
0: (laughs) baby bananas (laughs) dr baby banana brilliant
3: (laughs) printed baby dr captain banana (laughs) too far Uh oh I knew it when I said it.
0: Well, I knew nothing about this going into it. Other than the, the poster of them all sitting at the table, that's really all I knew when we decided to do, the, to do the show. So when I sat down to watch it, I had no expectations, no preconceived notions. I hadn't read anything about it, didn't know who was in it. Just went with it. And, I, you know, I feel like that was a good way to kind of walk into it personally. Yeah. And if you like uh, romantic comedy... Stuff, yeah. Check it out.
1: All right. Yeah, we're not exactly the target audience, and the fact that half of us kind of liked it—that I, I that says something. Yeah, agreed.
3: Well, now I feel like I probably would have liked it if you guys say it turned the corner. But I mean, I'll never know. You know. You'll never find out. <laughs> and now I feel bad. I, I, I dropped the ball.
0: No, you don't.
3: I'm. Well, I kind a little bit. I mean, take the take the sliver of badness you're getting because it's more than the most people get.
0: Sliver of Badness. Shame. That's my band
2: name. <laughs> oh, I was going to call it. Damn it! Hello, New York. We are
1: Sliver of Badness. All <laughs> this
3: right, is so Cleveland.
1: I think I think we're probably ready for the somewhat obvious thumbs up, thumbs down.
0: My band is going to be called Dermot Mulroney. <laughs> I really.
1: <rewrite. laughs>
3: Uh well I am obviously a thumbs up on on the first and I'll go thumb sideways, you know, just you guys talk me into not even like saying it sucked. So I'll go thumb sideways on the now.
0: I'm definitely a thumbs up on both.
1: Same with me.
2: I am a thumbs up on the original because despite the Andy McDowell quandary, I really enjoyed everybody else. For this one, I'm going to go with Patrick on the thumb sideways because apparently I need to watch episode three.
0: I'd say episode four, but. Me, 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 me. Michael Stop stealing Joel's lines. But I, <laughs> I have heard that it,
1: it takes another uptick in quality after episode four, but I, I stand by my statement that if by the time you're at the end of three, you're not interested, you probably won't want to go even
0: one more. Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
1: All right. Hey, Joel. Yo.
0: What are we doing next week? Ah, we are taking another trip down movie soundtrack lane.
1: All right. Music. More music shows. Everybody loves music shows. Yeah, and if you want to tell us about your favorite soundtrack or maybe argue with us about Andy McDowell, uh, give us a call. Let us know. 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And if you are Andy McDowell, give us a call.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Hello.
2: I'm Annie McDowell. I'm, <laughs> don't,
3: don't, I just, don't act what? like you're, you're calling us because that will be a horrible phone call. Just call us as a person. I, I just
2: wanted to say that I think I'm a lot better in the movies than you think I am. <laughs> that's not Annie McDowell. That's Craig.
0: <laughs> Let me get my friend Dermot Mulroney on the phone.
2: Mulroney! All, right. All right, more of this. iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoot, Podverse, FM NoonFM.com, and leave us a review on PodChaser. And uh, we will be back next week with Movie Soundtracks, Episode 3. Dun-dun-dun. The Soundtrackiest.
0: Now Now
3: recording. Now recording. (laughs)
1: Man, <laughs> now
0: I, I don't know
3: why your impression of him always makes me laugh, Josh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even sound like him very much. Yeah,
3: that's that's part of the reason why it's so funny because it <laughs> sounds like he had a stroke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, <Never> recording. <laughs> Tim Curry is the voice of Greg. Oh, <laughs> oh. Dude, too
3: soon,
1: dude.
2: I should kick you for that. <laughs> Add
1: it to the list.